In this episode of the 80s Glam Metal Cast, we talk to guitarist and solo artist Tracy G. You may remember him as the lead guitarist from Dio. We talk about his future plans and get some awesome inside Dio information. He's a real down-to-earth dude, and he has a real passion for music. Check it out. Tracy, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing tonight, brother? Good, Mike. How's it going over there? Oh, it's going great. So why don't you tell us, what's going on with the Tracy G Group heading into 2020? Um, I think I'm just going with the name Tracy G when I go forward, just maybe drop the, the group word, but it doesn't really matter. Tracy G, Tracy G Group, same thing. Um, um, well, this year, I put out two more solo CDs for my Tracy G, um, solo stuff. Um, it was in the early of the year, though, so, um, I'm due to release another CD, like, early 2020, and, um, I do a lot of studio work, a lot of sessions for other, other projects, and then I work my own in there too um the two cds i put out this year was uh, one was one was an anthology like it's like my greatest hits or my favorite instrumental tracks off of my various cds i've released over the years right so um and i put that out in early you know february i think and then in about april i put out um an all instrumental original cd called tarantula ditch and um you can get all these off my tracyg.com you know page i sell them off that website and um the tarantula ditch has um it's got a 10 or 11 i forget how many tracks um tracks on it on every track it's got like a guest guitar player that played along with me and we kind of trade off solos and stuff um so I got, you know, some people that I knew, some people that I just met, different guitar players that I liked uh, locally and from, you know, all over the place, uh, Japan, um, Europe, United States, Hawaii, like they live all over the, you know, all over the world. So different guys, different places, you know, and uh, some have names, people would recognize them, some don't, they're local guys, just they're my friends and uh, really good players, and um, so each track has like a different, different guy. We got you know uh, Rowan, Rowan Robertson, the guy that played Deal in Deal before me. He's on a track with me, and um, guy from Great White, Mark Kendall. He's on a track for me, with me. Um, um, these are just guys that have a little bit of a name you might recognize. Um, who else is on there? Um, Jimmy Bell, he's from the Midwest, I think. Um, great guy, great guitar player. Um, he plays in the band uh, Autograph right now. He, he I think he's in House of Lords, or he was, or something. Nice. Um, and then a lot of local guys. So I did it like a networking thing to help network my own name and theirs. You know, to get our spread our names around different people that might not hear me that know them or vice versa, you know, so those, that CD, Tarantula Ditch, it's all instrumental. I've Randy Oviedo's playing bass on everything, 
my bass player that plays with me pretty much all the time. So he's playing there, and I'm doing all the drum programming and all the rhythm guitars, and then my solos, of course. So that all that all came out in um, you know this year, and then um, going into 2020, I, I just got like another couple projects, that, you know, getting ready to work on them after my my last. Um, um, I, I put out two Latin CDs. And I'm going to be putting out my third one. It'll be my third one. It's almost done. But it'll be released in early 20. Um, you know, Latin stuff like uh, Santana meets Dal Dimiola or, you know, I don't know. That kind of stuff. Instrumental. I love the um, flamenco guitar kind of stuff, too. So I'm putting that out in early 220. And then um doing some other projects. You know, I got another project with... Uh, my friend named Paul Alfrey. Um, he's a good friend of mine, guitar player. So we started kind of a 80, 80-ish kind of, the, the music's kind of like something where water came out and maybe, you know, 80-ish, 80s or 90s kind of thing. We're doing a project right now. Randy Oviedo on bass. Paul plays guitar and writes. I play guitar and write. Um, we're using drum programming when we write the songs right now. And, uh, the singer is uh, Michael Lee Drive. He used to be in a band called Baron Cross. He's doing the vocals. And um, so we're up to like six songs. That'll be done next year sometime. And we're just shopping it around for a, a, a label or something to get going with that. That'll be called Gale Force. That's the name of that project. And um, I got asked to play with a band called Hollywood Monsters. They're from back east somewhere, I think. And I think the main guy lives in, um, lives in Paris. I think it was in Europe, yeah. And um, they're a band, and, and they made a couple albums with some name players on it. They asked me to to go on tour with them, like, towards the summertime of 2020. So maybe that'll, maybe that'll come through and that'll work. So that one, that'd be fun. Um, so there's just different projects I'm doing. And then, of course, I keep writing for the Tracy G thing, you know, and, um, might do some gigs too, obviously in 2020 with uh, my own group, group, Tracy G thing, um, and then a bunch of other little side projects I'm doing. Just, just you know, I do I do recording and writing for different singer songwriter guys. You know that need that need a bass player, need a guitar player, need a a drummer. So I, a couple couple projects I can do, and I can like be the whole band, but they're the singer type of thing uh, Ron Houston his name's Ron Houston he's in San Diego over here um, we're on our second second album and uh, he sings and I write all the music for him I think that project's called RHTG just our initials so I'm just trying to think of all the things I, I'm doing and it's I'm probably leaving some stuff out but I just try to keep busy you know and uh, keep putting decent music out there on, uh, on the internet that's kind of the best way to to move it, I guess. This, these, you know, in this day and age, so to speak. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you got a lot, a lot going on, and you've been staying active uh, all these years. So that's awesome. I try. I try. Yeah, I try. Yeah. So you mentioned Great White, uh, and I've been doing some digging on you, and uh, it, it sounds like you may have played with some guys in Great White back in your early days. Is there any truth to that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that was like, first of all, let's see. The drummer, 
His name's Audie Desbro. Me and him had a band, I don't know, well, going way back, like 77, 78, 79. We had a couple little bands, so we played together way back then. And and Great White was like always like right around the corner, but they they, they were called Dante Fox, and that had a that had Mark Kendall and and um, that had Jack Russell. But I, I played with Audie and Jack before they went to Mark Kendall, so to speak. Yeah, and we were neighbors. They kind of lived not too far away. So um, it was me. Um, Audie, Jack Russell, and a bass player named Wayne Hutzel, and we had a band called Centaur, but, you know, we hadn't even done originals yet. We were doing kind of covers, and um, we played a couple parties and stuff like that. That was like 78, maybe. So then Jack went to Mark Kendall and uh, kept working on songs, and I guess they changed their name, maybe to, maybe to Great White. I'm not sure when that came up, but and I stayed with Audie, and we had a band called Riff Raff, and we played for a long time. And then and then the riffraff thing broke up, and then Great White got a deal and did pretty good, but it came to a time that they needed a drummer, so they hired Audie. So Audie is still with him now, I think, and you know he's been in and out, but he's with him now. And uh, and then of course Jack Russell isn't with the Great White anymore; that he has his own Great White, right? So, yeah. um, whatever. And uh, yeah, so I know I kind of know those guys. You know, I knew when we were younger more. I don't, I don't see a lot of them today, but once in a while we talk and stuff. And and, uh, and like Mark Kendall, that's why I called him to play on my solo thing because I've known him since we were kids, and it was real cool to have him in my studio. And because we go back, you know, it was pretty cool to jam with him. So um, that's why I called I called Mark. He's a real nice guy. Yeah. Nice. Now, did you? Um... So that's my connection. That's my connection with Gray White. That's kind of my connection with. Them. Yeah, I did play with the, some of them when we were younger. Yeah. Did you cross paths with any of these other uh, '80s bands that were kind of out at the same time as Great White back then? Um, I know some of them. You know, I mean, I know. I mean, I know of all of them, kind of. But as far as hanging out or doing, doing, I did a little bit of crossing paths with George. Uh, George Lynch, of course. Uh, well, you know, we crossed paths, and of course I know, you know, who he is and everything. Great guitar player and stuff. Um, um, probably, but I just can't think of who right now. Like, <laughs> I, met, I met a lot of those guys, but I didn't really, mm, I wasn't in bands with, mm, remember a band called Love Hate? Yeah, I was going to ask you about Love Hate, yes. Yeah, I was in the band like before they got a record deal and uh, I was in the band as the second guitar player to Johnny Love for about two or three months and I uh, played the, you know, the Hollywood circuit thing, played a bunch of gigs and and then I just went on and, to do my own stuff and then I ended up getting a gig with um, World War Three and like, that was like 1990, yes. 90 or something like that, yeah. So how did that come about? Because at that point you're playing with um, the rhythm section of Dio. How did that, who who started that band? Well, that that was the singer Manny Lyon. It was his band. He had lineups like before me in in, a, in the late '80s. You know, through the '80s, he had a kinds of lineup, but he never had a deal. He couldn't get a deal. 
And then he hooked up with me, and I wrote him some songs, and he shopped he, he shopped them to his um, his manager at the time and stuff, and they really liked it. So we did a showcase, and then we got a deal. So me and him, and um, we really didn't have a rhythm section yet, though. That the label wanted kind of like a, they wanted a better rhythm section than we than than we had. So we kind of kept our eyes open, and then a, a friend of mine saw Jimmy Bain hanging out at a bar and got his phone number. Said he knows a band that's pretty heavy, and um, we're on our way to getting a deal. We need a bass player. So here comes Jimmy Bain, and of course he, he fit right in. You know, Jimmy Bain. I was a big fan of his forever. And then when the drummer that we were working with wasn't quite cutting it. Um, we, me and uh, me and the singer looked at uh, Jimmy and said, well, what's Vinny doing, you know? Vinny, w Vinny had left Dio at that time, too. So that's how that got put together. And we had, we already had the deal. We were getting ready to make the record, but we needed a, a first-class uh, kick-ass drummer. So here comes Vinny, and that, that did that. And then uh, we did that one album and went ahead and uh, went on the one tour small club tour of the U.S. Um, never played out of the U.S. with that lineup. And then uh, that kind of split. And um, Vinny went to do Dehumanizer with Ronnie. And Jimmy was out and about, wherever. And um, me and the singer kind of bumped heads, and that was over. So then... There was about a year where I, I wasn't in a band, so I started my own band, a new band again, my own band called Mankind, and had a, three local guys playing with me. And then I got the call to audition. <clears throat> I got the call to audition for Dio because Jimmy Bain and Vinny went back to run with Ronnie, and they were going to start another, you know, another lineup and do an album. So I got a call to audition for that. So I went down there and did my thing, and then I got that gig and with Dio and it was Ronnie, me, Vinny and Jimmy Bain at first. Uh, Jimmy Bain lasted a couple of weeks and then in, in comes Jeff Pilson. And then we did that first album, Strange Highways and went on a tour. And then I went through the nineties with Ronnie, you know, until like 99, you know. I gotta say, and, and there may be some people that might not agree with me, <clears throat> but that's okay. This is my show. I can say whatever I want. That's yeah. my, that's my favorite Dio album. Uh, Strange Highways is my favorite Dio album, so that's why I want to talk to you about. Right on. Um, you know, it's different. It's different than his other stuff, you know, obviously. And people, people like what people like, you know. Some people don't like a change, you know, or whatever. And uh, it's just music, you know. I mean, it's the way I I played, and I would come up with the riffs. Jeff Tilson would come up with some riffs. Ronnie was kind of an experimental mode. He wanted to move forward, change his lyrics to sing about sort of med medieval times, more like what was happening in the world at the time, you know, political stuff or um, whatever. And um, a lot of people don't like change, you know. And uh, I thought it was, uh, I think to this day, it's probably his heaviest, it's his heaviest album to me is uh, on Ronnie's, Ronnie's solo career, it's his heaviest album. It competes with any of the Sabbath records, as far as I'm concerned, as far as heavy. And um, 
I don't know, with a voice like Ronnie's, that's the only way I heard it, is heavy. Um, heavy grooves, heavy uh, riffs, dark. He's got the he's got the heavy great greatest voice. I mean, what do you how do you how do you play anything lightweight with that? You know. So I was coming from World War Three, heavy, going to Dio, heavier. You know, and um, that's what I think. So I, I can see it doesn't shock me that you say it's your favorite. It's just there's not a whole lot of people who say that. I know what you mean, <laughs> but I have I have I have run into people who say that, and um, I, I of course I think so too. So you know, it's my favorite of all. Um, partly because obviously I I co-wrote everything and I'm playing on it, but I just I know it's heavier than everything else. So that's that means a lot to me, you know, because that's what I feel. And and that's what I hope the people feel. You know, that's that's what it's about for me. I think what happened with me, uh, I'm I'm 43, so I got into metal and hard rock probably around '86. So I missed the first yeah. two, the first two Dio albums. You know what I mean? They were they just weren't on my radar very much. So when I got into Dio, yeah. he, he was doing Dream Evil and all that kind of stuff. And I I thought and I had those albums. I thought they were decent. And uh, something about when Strange Highways came out, I bought it. And I'm like, this is this kicks ass, man. I love the riffs, the production, the uh, his voice. I think is the most vicious on that album than any of the other albums. It's just he's in attack mode. You know what I mean? I love it. I think I agree. I understand. I understand. I think the music helped push him. And um, with a guy that's that good already, when you push him. And, um, you know, the meaning, you know, the riffs were heavier and angrier. And when you push a singer like that, he's just going to get heavier. You know, he's, and he's singing, he's singing at his highest, I think. And I'm glad I'm part of that era, if you know what I mean. Because yeah. I think he's, I, I, I think I helped push, push one of the greatest singers in the world, put it that way. Yeah. Whether people dig it, whether people agree or dig it or not, it it, it, make, it doesn't matter. It is what it is, you know. <laughs> and it'll be there when we're gone. That's right. So, you know, people can say whatever they want, you know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter to me if it's negative because it's there. And they can't take it away, you know. You can't take that away. It's, it's, and, and the people who get it, they get it. And you get it. You got it. So... It's for you. Yeah, man. It's all what sounds good to your ears. I say that all the time. People can rant and rave and say, you know, and, and a lot of it, like I said, is, is your exposure. What, what, Where were you at when you caught this this music? Were, were you and the music in line at that moment or not? And that, that's what it comes down to. There's people that say to me all the time, yeah. Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. Well, well, once again, I told you how old I was. I miss Black Sabbath. I like them, but for me, I'd rather listen to some of the Ozzy albums like uh, Ultimate Sin and No Rest for the Wicked. Those are just the albums that I got first. And they still sound freaking awesome. So, you know, deal with it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it has a lot to do with the timing of everything. The timing of when you hear it. You know, where are you at? Where are you at in your life when you first hear a certain thing? It can make a big impact on you. And so it's universal to each his own. It's not, 
you know, everybody has to think the same and have to believe the same and have, you know, it's not, it's there for the, whoever wants to, where were you when you first heard Straight Highways? You know, it must have made an impact on you. To this day, when you hear it, you feel it. Yep. You know. Right? I think it's got a combination. When I think back to that album, I think another thing that I think about, um, grunge and all that kind of stuff was, was pretty much out there. A lot of us who liked yeah. the glam, yeah. which I did, um, that was kind of gone. It was basically... You know, over those couple years in the early '90s, glam was gone. A lot of the glam bands were trying to be grunge. It was a messy time. So I felt like when I heard "Strange Highways," it was heavy. It wasn't grunge, and it was still had a melodic sense. It was still catchy. You know, it still had things that were familiar from the '80s, but it didn't sound like an '80s album. So that's probably why I liked it. Yeah, no, you're right. You're exactly right. The timing that that came out was. It was odd because everything else around it wasn't wasn't that. But that's the way I've always, you know, liked to go at music. The way I went at that, and it just for my time, that's when it was. So I wasn't gonna give I wasn't gonna give Ronnie a bunch of I wasn't gonna try to make him like a grunge band, or I wasn't gonna say, hey, cut off all the solos. Solos aren't happening no more. I wasn't gonna say that. I was going to say put more solos in you know, as far as I'm concerned. Like, put, you know, they didn't, they didn't let me play enough as far as I'm concerned, but that's just that. But I'm just saying, no, I wasn't affected by what was going on, but I just was doing what I done. That's how I, that's what I liked. That's the kind of guitar sound I wanted. Those are all my amps I've used forever in my guitar that I've been using since like 85. And, and 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 that's just my sound that I dug that I knew was heavy, and I knew it was going to go good with his voice. I already knew that, so I didn't care what was popular. I never cared what was popular. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just like what sounds good to me. One thing I, I can say about Ronnie. One thing about Ronnie that. Um... A lot of times, I'll be honest, I don't know what he's singing about, especially on a lot of this album. I don't know exactly what he's singing about, but I always feel a passion. And whatever it is, I, I feel like it's believable, even if I don't necessarily know what exactly he's singing yeah. about. It's, it's his conviction. It's his conviction in, in the way he sings. He could be singing about the, you know, the birds and the bees. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But the way the way he sings it, though, again, here we go with the with just his conviction in his voice. You would you would dig it. You would listen to it if you're singing about you know the phone book. So what? Yeah. <laughs> when you sound like that, when you sound like that, it it, it people are getting off. It is people are getting off on the sound of stuff. Doesn't have to always be. Oh, what's he saying? Like, what's the meaning? What does it mean? Like, what's he, you know? What are the words? What are the words? You know, I hate to say this, but a lot of a lot of times you don't care what the words are. It's the sound of the thing. Yeah. It's the sound of Brian Johnson's voice. It's the sound of Steven Tyler's voice. I don't really care about what they're saying. It's the sound of their voice over that music that that you rock out to. Definitely. Right. I agree. I man. mean, it's, 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 so I thought when I try out singers, I'm like, you know, you're, you're a really good singer or you're not or whatever, but 
I need more passion. I need more conviction. I need, I need you to mean it more. I don't care if you do have a good voice. I'm not, I'm not looking for someone that you can understand every word they say because heavy metal isn't even go like that. You know, it's not even about that. If you can push, if, if you can push again, though, if you got a singer like that, not too many people have a singer like that, like Ronnie. If you got a singer like that, look out. You know, yeah, that's all I can say. For sure. So what about um, <laughs> what about uh, Angry Machines? What was going on there? I mean, it definitely sounds different. Well, a lot of different things. The same thing, the same thing, but not the same thing at all. I mean, the same guys, but really not. The the the, the musicians were being switched around. I mean, I was there and Vinny was there and Ronnie, but we didn't have Jeff Pilson all the time, and we did, and we didn't, and we did. So that changed some things. The, the business of the band was changing, so the, they wanted to change the direction. See, they wanted to go. They were they were they weren't just like Strange Highways. I came in and they just said go. Just let's do what we do. We just hired this new guy Tracy. Let him play like he plays. And, and and we'll go around it and, and well, it just was natural like that church highways but then because that didn't sell because it didn't sell enough I guess enough people did not get it so they, they wanted it they got a new label they wanted more success and they thought more success means let's go back to Holy Diver let's go back to that time Ronnie you produce it get a drier sound cut the solos because it's still grunge time so we should cut the solos so that's the way the business was going in that so it fucked up the whole chemistry of the songs and it fucked up the whole vibe of the songs I still think there's some massive riffs in there but they just kind of got ripped apart with all the other negative shit that was going on around the band and the business and people don't know any of that but they just they just listen to the c CD and they go I, I can rock out to it or I can't rock out to it. That's all they really know. And Angry Machines was tougher because there was more shit going on. Does that make any sense? It does. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, a whole nother, a whole nother room. We were in a different place. The vibe was different. Everything was different. So the, seat, the, the two CDs don't stand next to each other. They're different. So it was, oh, Angry Machines suck. Angry Machines sucks. It's the worst deal album. It doesn't, everybody says, oh, no, I can't listen to it. Well, because it's, it's actually really good, but it's nowhere close to, to Strange Highways. So that's why they don't, they don't, people don't know how to digest it. They don't know what to do with it. There's some fucking great riffs and parts in there, but it's just too, it's hard for me to listen to, too, because it's, I knew what was going on with the whole thing. And it was way forced. It was way more forced. On Strange Highways, each song took a week, about a week to, to finish, to write. In uh, Angry Machines, each song took at least a month, at least a month or more to just say, okay, we're done. That's the difference. Now, people, people don't know that. You know, they, they, they don't know. They don't know what was going on. Yeah. I actually like that album, to be honest with you. I don't like it as much as Strange Highways, but I can tell it has a more raw production little more funkier at times. Got a little more groove to it. Um, but yeah. I, there's songs I like, man. Don't Tell the Kids. and uh, yeah. yeah. There's, there's some, some cool songs. stuff on it. It just gets, it gets kind of buried with the, with the unnecessary stuff that went on. There's a lot of parts. There's a lot of 
it's overworked. You know, it, it, it's overworked, and Straight Highway flows better. You know? Yeah. It almost seems as though he was lyrically trying to really step out of the box. I mean, and once again, I don't know all the lyrics of what they're about, but, you know, Big Sister is like, yeah. the, it's like a pun on Big Brother, right? So I feel like there was a lot right, of, right. it was interesting stuff, really. Yeah, he was he was trying all kinds of stuff. He was definitely in experimental mode still, but yet wanted to kind of try to, it was a mixture of, we're still going to go forward with the lyrics, but, the riffs could be a little wacky and out there, and we messed with some time signatures and played in 5-4, different things that metal, usually, normal metal and deal usually doesn't do. And uh, it just was too much for the people to process, I think. You know, they were just like, but I mean, you know, institutional, man, there's some fucking evil shit going on in that song. Yeah. You know, you know <laughs> but it's, it's kind of over the, I don't know, I don't want to say the typical metal heads, you know, taste, but there's some shit going on, you know, and I don't just like metal. I like all kinds of the music, so I'll, I'm, I don't have a problem playing in 7-8 or 5-4 if that's what it calls for, and for a regular rock guy, that's like, what? What the <laughs> fuck's that? You know, yeah. How did the relationship end with Ronnie? What happened? Good, good. For me, good. It, 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 he... One of the last things he said to me on the phone, he goes, I, th- I wish you were an ass. He goes, I wish you were an ass. That way this would be a lot easier to do, but I really dig you. And it's, and sorry to say it has to end now because of powers to be, you know. Yeah. So it, we got along, you know, it, we never, it wasn't like a big blowout or anything. No, it was just mutual respect. And he just said he was being, you know, a lot of his fans didn't dig what I was doing and, uh, and his, and his, um, New record company wanted him to go back to uh, uh, one of his first guitar players, if he could. You know, um, Vivian and him weren't getting along, so the next choice was Craig. And so he went to Craig because he used to be with you know, his. The label wanted him to play with guys he used to play with. He also picked up Jimmy. He, he brought back in Jimmy Bain when I left. That was a whole business. It's all a business thing because they wanted like more of the the first guys so that they'd sell more tickets, you know, the the original deal lineup. They're just all about money to the to the business people, you know, money, money, money. Um, I don't think the albums after these sold way more than Strange Highways. I really don't know, but I doubt if they did. They weren't they weren't any better. They weren't any, they weren't as good as far as I'm concerned, but that's just me. Right. But I mean he has to go where, you know, his manager points to them. And it's a bit, it's a business, unfortunately. Wish it was just people playing music what they want to play. But it, 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 you know, the business gets into it. And well, you know, if you want to get this record deal, you got to get rid of that guy because Tracy's going the wrong way. Tracy's bringing all this weird, new, weird shit in and people don't dig that. So get rid of that guy. You know, that kind of vibe. So he apologized for that. And, um, what he first wanted me to do is stay in the band and have Craig Goley in the band too and just have me play rhythm guitar now. And I declined. I said, ah, oh, fuck that. What do I want to do that for? I played lead guitar for six years. Now I'm going to play rhythm just to stay in a band, just to stay in, in, in Dio's band on me, the rhythm guitar player. I said, I'm better than that, you know, as far as I'm concerned. So no thanks, no thanks. 
So then he had to let me go because I didn't want to stand in the back and just play rhythm and let Craig Goley play all his, um, you know, let the Greg Goldie thing go. I mean, I don't, know, I don't even dig Craig Goldie's solo plan. I'm not even a fan of his. So it'd be different. He was bringing in someone that I loved. I'd be like, well, let me think about it. <laughs> but no, he was going to bring in someone that was like, you know, I'm not even a fan of his. So like, he's not a fan of mine, I'm sure, but who cares, you know? Right. Whatever. But so I stepped, I stepped out. He didn't, I mean, I, I'm the one that said, no, I won't do that. And then he said, okay, let's, let's forget we had this conversation and just go on. And I said, okay. And then the week later, they, he called again and said, he's got to let me go. Mm. So, so that's how it went, no matter what anybody says. It's just funny how people will talk about it as if they were in the band, as if they knew, as if they were there. Like, people think they know more than, they don't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> they're like... <laughs> you know, people like that. Are, they're like that in life. Anything you do, it's like they they think they know so much more than they really know. They're just talking shit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, I, you you made an interesting point. I, I mean, I don't think there was any commercially big deal albums. You know, after Strange Highways, I think it was over. I mean, it's for most metal bands. Let's face it. When, you know, when we got through the '90s and into the 2000s. Uh, metal became more of a touring thing. I, I don't think there was many big commercial metal albums from like '80s guys or '70s guys. I don't think so. You know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know? And I, I going back to Strange Highways, I don't even I doubt if it's commercial or whatever. I just knew it was good. It was real. It was honest. It was heavy. And 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 the more time goes on, it's gaining more fans. More and more people are getting into it as time goes. It's one of those kind of albums, you know. Yeah. It never had a video, so that, did it? Did it ever have a, yeah. a, a a music video? It didn't, did it? No. I mean, we did. We did shoot a couple, but they never released them. We shot a couple. We shot one of them. Of um, three, probably three songs. Probably Hollywood Black and Jesus and Mary and maybe Evolution or something. Um, we shot at the same place, you know that, you know the video they did release a live video from Hammersmith. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That 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 one turned out pretty good. I'm surprised they released that. That that's like a live, but but an actual like MTV video. They at that gig they shot three three videos before the before they even let the people in the building. We we lip synced to three songs. They never released any of that. That's a shame. Yeah, they never released that. Like I said, I think it was like Jesus, Mary, Evolution, and something else, maybe Hollywood Black. I don't know, but... And uh, I remember asking Ronnie a couple years after that, where those videos... How come I ne they never released a video? He goes, I, I didn't like the way it looked. It looked too, it looked too boring, he said. Hmm. He said the way they shot it, it just the video looked boring. Is what he said. The, the the camera work looked boring. It wasn't enough, you know, editing or I don't know. So you never seen it. But they did release an actual gig, the Hammersmith gig. That's the gig we did after we shot those videos the same night. Yeah, I think that came out pretty good. Yeah. 
That came out recently, right? Like in 2014? Is that when it came out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. After he passed away, a few years later, they released that. Yeah. Yeah. It's mixed and it looks pretty good, I think. And especially Ronnie. I mean, there's no, there's no fixes on that. That's purely live. There's no fixes on anything on that whole concert. Because most live concerts are put out, they fix them, you know. Oh, yeah. They fix them. Live, live records, you know. But no, this one is, there's nothing fixed. And um, Ronnie's singing at his, probably his best I ever heard of. When I, when I finally watched that, when I, you know, got a, got a copy of it, it'd been, you know, it had already been like 20, 20 years since, if it was like 2014, 15, that's already like 20 years since we shot the thing. And um, I had almost forgotten, you know, like what we did, how we did it, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. So when I seen it, I was like, holy shit. Like, Ronnie's like, I knew he was great, but he was greater than I thought. I was like, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, I was just like, fuck. That, he's singing. I mean, in that one concert, you hear that music push you the shit out of him. And he's. He's rising to the occasion, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was our last gig on our first tour in Europe. What What do you think of the D.L. Hologram tours? I don't know about that, man. I, I just don't know about it. I, it looks creepy to me because it's not him. It looks like a puppet. And um, I just don't know... It's cool to keep his music alive and all that jazz, and I. It looks what little I've seen. It looks weird to me, and I just don't know if he'd be a big fan of it. I, people say different things. It's all hearsay. I knew the guy for six years, and what I knew about him, I can't see him looking at that and going, "Oh, bitching." <laughs> I just, I just don't. Not that I guess that doesn't matter. I guess that doesn't matter what Ronnie would have think of it. Obviously, because they do it. Right. I, I don't know. What do you think? Did you see it? I, I haven't seen it in person, but I've watched videos. And, you know, yeah. I don't know. I guess it's I can look at it two ways. Like you said, it's cool that the music's still out there. But one thing I didn't like was when I watched the band, they don't move or anything. They just stand there like trees. And then there's that screen of him in the middle. You know what I mean? I don't know. It just doesn't, yeah. it doesn't feel yeah. like a real performance. It's just weird, man. And, 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 and anyway... I, I'm not here to put down anybody, but I mean, it, it's just Craig Goldie doing all the guitars and Simon Wright doing all the drums. I love Simon Wright. He's a great ACDC drummer. The drummer for Dio is Vinny. He's the drummer for the, he's the drummer that has the feel for Dio. Okay, Vinny. Simon doesn't have the same feel. He's a great drummer, great guy. He'll probably even say the same thing. He doesn't have the same feel. No, no drummer has the same feel. They, all drummers play different, right? Right. It's not the, it's not, Vinny's one of the greatest. He plays meat and potatoes, but with a feel. He has a feel. That's worth everything. He, he's, it's not just, he, Vinny's not just a metronome, okay? So, along with the way the music, 
I know they're playing along with Ronnie. I know they're they're playing along with Back to the Hologram. They're playing along with Ronnie's voice, but the music's real stiff and just dry and stiff, and and I like it. It's not real. It's just like, oh man, you know, it doesn't have that feel. I'm what I was told was that there's a couple tracks. I met the bass player guy that plays bass for that. He told me a couple of the tracks they do are like, I think, Heaven and Hell and, you know, Don't Talk to Strangers or something. They stole from my era, meaning they stole the Ronnie's vocals from when I was playing with them. And he's singing the hologram, singing it, but then they're playing the song. You understand? They're following Ronnie. Yeah. So I was like, "That's pretty cool." I guess that they <laughs> they thought out of every out of everything that they they listened to that Ronnie sang "Heaven and Hell" a thousand times with a thousand different, you know, from the um, from the Dio era, Black Sabbath. They they could steal his vocals. They stole. They thought his best performance. A couple of those songs was from my era when I was playing with him, so that made me feel kind of good. I was like, "Well, that's that's cool, dude." It's probably that Apollo concert. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I thought that was pretty cool, but to sum up what I think of the whole hologram thing, I don't know. I gotta just say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm not best. sure. You know. So I'm I'm driving home today, and I'm listening to Hair Nation on Sirius. I hear Yankee Rose, Steve Vai, with all the weird sound effects yeah. in the beginning, and it kind of made me think about you a little bit. You like? Did you like Steve Vai at all? <laughs> sure. How can you not like some stuff he does? I mean, he can do anything, can play anything. So he gets it. He gets in the wacky sounds. I know he does, but I didn't really. To be honest, I didn't. Was it in? I've heard him do those, and I dig it. Anybody who messes with sounds, I dig because I like sounds. But I could say who I really kind of inspired me to mess with him is probably. Do you remember? You might not know this guy, Tommy Bolin. Yeah, Tommy Bolin. Yes. Wasn't he in yeah, uh, he, Deep Purple? He, back, he, he was in Deep Purple. Yeah, he took Richie back once, but back way back when I was real young. I heard him messing with an echoplex and making some weird sounds, and I, I started then. I started playing around with adding sounds to me, and then um, I know Steve Stevens does it too, but like I wasn't really influenced by him because I was already doing them before I heard Steve Stevens do them. But I dig that. I dig him doing them. Yeah, he does a lot. Another of that. guy that, another guy that immensely does them is Eddie Van Halen. Like, yeah. when I saw him for the first time, he does all kinds of weird little, weird little sounds. He doesn't, Eddie, you know, we could go on forever about him, how great Eddie Van Halen is. But I mean, seeing him, at a, I was 16 years old, seeing him just pull these weird sounds out of um, the guitar itself and then some pedals and some flangers and some weird shit made me start to experiment, like, with it, with them, with, with harmonics and just weird, weird. I don't play like Eddie Van Halen. I can't sound like Eddie Van Halen. I'm not trying to play like Eddie Van Halen. But he's like obviously one of my favorite guitar players in the world. Who, who doesn't like Eddie Van Halen? You know, that's right. If you're a rock, I mean, come on. But I mean, 
the sound effect thing, you know, Jeff Beck, you know, he makes these weird fucking sounds. Jimi Hendrix, a bunch of feedback makes it into, I love, see, I, I go way back with these guys and lo I love all that stuff. And so what I do today is just a combination of it all, of all that I've liked, you know, with people who don't make sounds and then people who do make sounds. And I, I try to just put it together and play some and sometimes don't play at all. I let the sounds take it. You know, I, I love that. No, again, no matter what people say, they could say, Oh, well, he doesn't make noise. That's, that's fine. That's fine that they say that. I don't, I don't, it doesn't hurt my feelings. I am making noise. I love noise. You know, I love, I call it sound. I, I just like to mix it in with my shit. You know, that's how I, I like, that's how I hear it. So. No, man, you write killer know. riffs too, man. Killer riffs. Well, you gotta have, you gotta have killer rhythm. You gotta have killer rhythm and killer riffs before you can play so a good solo, I think, because Rhythm, rhythm is, it's all about the rhythm of the riff, the rhythm of the, you know, the rhythm of every great riff is why you like the riff. It's the rhythm of how it's, you're doing it. So, and then when you play, when you play a solo, a lot of guys just think it's how fast you can go or how many eighth notes and how many quarter notes, but it, it's not that. It's about the rhythm of where you, that's why Eddie Van Halen is so great because he's got rhythm in his, his solos, whether he's tapping or not, you know, whatever, that's just a technique, but it's got, he's got rhythm in his solos. They're not just, they're not just like, like, a, he doesn't play like a machine. He doesn't play like a, you know, mechanical. He doesn't play mechanical. You, you feel his shit in his solos. So that's what, why he's great. And there's a lot of other, a lot, a lot of, a lot of other guys that are great like that, you know, but it, it, rhythms, rhythms, doesn't get the get the spotlight like it should rhythm anything you know the rhythm of the drums the rhythm of the bass the rhythm of the rhythm the rhythm of the you know, the rhythm of a lot of the singers the rhythm of how they do it is why it's so great but it doesn't it doesn't get the props that it should get it's always about the, the lead lead shit you know yeah seems like yeah yeah i know so but you're maybe, a uh you're going to always be known as a, as a metal guy, right? And I know that you never were dabbling in the glam scene at all. And I know that's what my channel really specializes in. So what did you think of the glam scene, glam metal, hair metal? Did you like any of the bands? What do you think? Yeah, I loved it. I, lo I, 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 loved, I loved all that stuff because I grew up in it. You know, and I, I, I loved all, I loved Rat and, you know, the tunes. All, all those bands have a few good songs. But not all of them, maybe. And some of them were a little bit, you know, they took the look, they took the look more than they took the music serious, you know what I mean? Sure. The look, the look tends to take over, so I'm not as attracted to those kind of guys, but, you know, but a lot of them, I don't know, like, you know, even Great White, you know, they have, all these guys have some good songs, you know, on the 80s bands, they have, uh, uh, they have some good songs, you know. <clears throat> I really love ACDC though, you know, ACDC was the non-glam guys, just the regular dudes and t-shirts and Levi's and let's rock, you know, that's, that's pretty killer. I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty huge to me because they got song after song after song after riff after riff and each album sounds the same and it's just one thing. <laughs> yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. And it's, you can't fucking deny it. It's just like, fuck. 
It's great. Any um, yeah. final, any final things you want to say to your fans out there? Um, if there's any listening, uh, thank you very much for following what I do, and I'm glad you dig it because it is what it is. And uh, check out my website, tracyg.com. I try to keep it updated, and um, and I constantly try to put out new music. I'm going to start on a blues project, too. After my Latin, I'm known as a metal guy. You said that. You said that earlier. I'm known as a metal guy. Yeah, I do love metal, but I also like, you know, I like Latin music, and I like blues, and I think everything comes from blues, you know, even the metal. Black Sabbath was a blues band before they were, like, heavy, you know? So there you go. So I love blues, so I'm going to do a blues record, and um, keep your eyes open for that kind of stuff, and thanks for your support. Thanks for talking with me tonight, man. It was a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed it, too. Um, no problem. It was a blast talking with Tracy G. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Heavy Metal!